So when my four kids were small, um, my older brother Steve would always get them kids books. You know, kids books are amazing. And I remember one Christmas, he got them this book called Grossology, The Science of Really Gross Things. And it was actually kind of a really gross book. Not only was it about gross things, it had these, um, you know, these cartoon drawings and, and graphics uh, that, that were pretty disgusting. And I can remember though, the kids loved it. And so we, we would sit on the couch and all of them would gather around and I would be, I would be holding this grossology book. And the book had like three different sections. The, the first section was all about um, mushy, slimy, oozy, gross things. So, you know, things like uh, barf and uh, boogers and snot and um, zits and, and earwax and blisters, uh, things like pee and, and poop and, and diarrhea. It, it was really disgusting. The, the second category was uh, kind of crusty, scaly things, you know, so, so things like, like dandruff and and scabs and wounds, uh, the eye gunk that you get, and the teeth tartar. And then the last section of the book was stinky, smelly things, uh, you know, like like farts or, or burps or bad breath and, and B.O. And, and, and stinky feet. And I remember the kids just loved it, and it was a lot of fun. And I thought the book was kind of clever because in a fun way, it taught us about gross and, and disgusting things. And so they would be like, oh, Dad, that's so disgusting. Well, here, here's a fun fact. Do you know why some people call the toilet the crapper? Well, it, it all started uh, with the U.S. soldiers back in World War I when they were stationed in London. Um, there was a, a, a plumber in London named Thomas Crapper, <laughs> and, and his company manufactured most of the toilets uh, in England uh, back in that time. And, and they didn't invent the toilet, um, but they did play a, a large role in inventing kind of the, the first flush toilets of the day and, and the mechanism inside the tank of a flush toilet. Uh, Thomas Crapper is the one who invented that and, and we still use those uh, today. So um, all of the toilets would, would have the, the name uh, Thomas Crapper Company uh, in, you know, emblazoned on the actual toilet. So uh, the U.S. soldiers just took to calling the toilet the Crapper and uh, they brought that uh, slang term home with them to the United States. You know, January 27th is a national holiday in England. It's Thomas Crapper Day. <laughs> I thought that's hilarious. Anyway, I've never really minded cleaning the toilet. Um, I, I don't think it's that disgusting. Uh, that's why that's been my job at home for 31 years of marriage. Uh, so my wife, Chan, will say, hey, the toilets are disgusting, and I'll say, I'll clean them. I mean, I think it's more disgusting to think about life uh, without one of these things, right? Uh, in fact, when, when uh, she watches the video of this sermon, she's going to say, I cannot believe you talked about poop in a, in a sermon. In my defense, though, uh, Jesus did. Kind of. Uh, there's a story in, in Matthew chapter 15. You can read it. Uh, the, the scribes and the Pharisees, they, they approach Jesus, and, and they, they criticize him, and they're like, why don't your disciples follow the traditions of the elders when it comes to washing hands before you eat? Now, the, the backstory of this whole thing is that uh, hand washing, there was this, this very elaborate process of how you were supposed to wash your hands, even to the point of you hold your hand a certain way and the water drips a certain way. Uh, it also carried with it uh, kind of uh, a religious uh, connotation too. So like. Um, how you washed your hands might signify to someone else uh, how faithful you were. 
And so Jesus's, you know, comment to them was it, you know, it's it's not what uh, goes into the mouth that defiles; it's what comes out of the mouth that defiles a person. Uh, and, and so later, when he's alone with with his disciples, um, uh, one of them asks him, "They're like." could you explain that to us? We don't understand. And Jesus is like, you you still don't understand that. He's like, well, this is the deal. He's like, what goes into the mouth, like it goes into the mouth and down into the stomach. And then Jesus says, out into the sewer. Uh, That doesn't defile. It's what comes out of a person's mouth that has the potential to defile because what comes out of the mouth uh, comes from the heart. And, And so Jesus says, out of a person's heart, comes evil intentions, you know, like murder and, and, and adultery and fornication and uh, treating people badly and, and slander. Uh, he, he says that's the kind of thing that defiles, but uh, this whole washing your hands before you eat, um, that doesn't defile. Uh, Jesus got really frustrated um, with those who were, who were leading the people of God with the religious leaders. Um, that, that happened a lot, you know. And, and this whole, this whole mess of how religious leaders uh, would behave, the things that they would do, and then, and then also the things that they wouldn't do, you know, it really filled Jesus with disgust. And that's the emotion that we're talking about today, uh, disgust. You know, I, I never realized that disgust was, was one of the, the basic emotions not until I started working on, on this sermon series about the emotions. Uh, Dr. Paul Ekman, who is a psychologist and a world-renowned expert in the study of human emotion, uh, he, he surveyed 248 uh, psychologists who, who deal with human emotions from all over the world. And in that survey, he discovered that 70% of them uh, agree uh, that there's, there's strong evidence that even though there's a, a lot of emotions out there, that there are five basic emotions. Um, there, there's a bunch of uh, complex emotions that, uh, you know, that occur when some of these five basic ones interact and relate to each other and all that. But um, th- those five basic emotions are, are anger, fear, enjoyment, uh, sadness, and disgust. Uh, and, and today we're talking about disgust. Disgust is, is that thing that happens um, when, when there's an, an aversion to, to something that's distasteful, um, our, our reaction to, to something that's repulsive. Um, and, and oftentimes it'll be something that smells really bad or something that, that tastes awful. Um, but it can also be uh, we're disgusted at something uh, or, or, or some idea. You know, uh, uh, to be disgusted, um, there's this range of, of it. So it, it can be anything from a, a mild dislike to an intense loathing uh, of that thing, this thing that uh, we find repulsive or even toxic. You know, it, it's been interesting to me, um, and, and sad really, over the years as, as I've had conversations with, with other friends who are pastors and, and maybe those who have actually served on the cabinet with the, with the bishop and the district superintendent, uh, talking about the process of, of, of appointing a pastor to a church. Um, and th- this conversation that, you know, sometimes there's a, there's a church that, that might be so toxic that, that this, this group of leaders is having a really hard time with the thoughts of, of appointing 
a clergy person to that toxic place and, and the harm that might happen because of that. And, and the flip side of that is true, that you've got this, this fantastic, uh, beautiful church who, who needs clergy leadership, and, and yet um, there are certain individuals that, that need to be appointed, and, and yet they can sometimes be described as, as toxic and destructive. And whenever I hear stories like this, there's, this, there's just this sense of disgust that we have to deal with this sort of thing. You know, Jesus felt that too. Uh, sometimes Jesus had these intense feelings of disgust. Um, like we've already uh, talked about, uh, the religious leaders of, of his day. And, and, and in our text for today, in, in Matthew chapter 23, he really kind of lets them have it um, and, and kind of gives them a, a, a rough go of it. Uh, I realize that um, sometimes there's a, a very close relationship between our disgust um, and our anger. Uh, Jesus gets angry a lot. Uh, in our text today, he's uh, talking to the crowd about them, uh, about their leaders. And he says some interesting things, some, some hard things, actually. Uh, but, but first he says now to the crowds, he says, and I want you to, to, to do what they say, because <laughs> what they're teaching you is the Torah. It's, it's the law of Moses. Um, and uh, that's, that's worthy for you to hear. Uh, and, and for you to, to, teaching for you to follow. But then Jesus says, but, but don't do what they do because they don't practice what they preach. They're, they're teaching these things, but they're not doing them themselves. And, and, and Jesus says in verse four, he says, you know, uh, they're putting these heavy burdens on people and yet they're not lifting one finger themselves uh, to do anything about that. Another thing that, that, that Jesus is disgusted with when he looks at them is, is this deep desire to, uh, to be noticed by people, kind of this, this longing for, for prestige and, and for place in society. And so um, maybe you've heard this before. He talks about their phylacteries. These were the, the, the leather prayer boxes that they would tie on their arms and sometimes on their foreheads. And um, so sometimes they would make their phylacteries more colorful and, and bigger and that the fringes would be longer and uh, kind of this, when someone looks at me, they'll see how, how religious and prestigious and, and important I am. Jesus says that, you know, they, they love um, these, these places of honor at, at the banquets. They, they love being greeted in, in the marketplaces with, with these special titles because they're special people. He says they, they love the, the best seats uh, in the synagogue. At, at the end of our, of our text, you know, you always kind of wonder where, where Jesus is going, um, where he's directing some of this, and he's pretty, he's pretty clear on it. Um, you know, he says um, in, in verse 11, the greatest among you will be your servant. So, like in God's eyes, um, the greatest of us in God's eyes are those who aren't focused on ourselves, but, but are those who serve. Uh, he says, all who exalt themselves will be humbled, and all who humble themselves uh, will be exalted. I, I read a story about uh, Chris Herter, 1954. He was running for re-election governor of Massachusetts. It's a story about a, a barbecue that he went to, and uh, he gets his plate, and, and, he, and he's going in line, and um, the woman serving puts a piece of chicken on his plate. He was starving. He hadn't eaten anything all day. He said, could I, could I please have a, 
another piece of chicken. She goes, I'm supposed to give one piece of chicken per person. It's like, it's like I'm really hungry. Um, can, I, can I please have a second piece of chicken? And, and she was like, sorry, um, one piece of chicken per customer. And so he decided, you know, to kind of uh, use, use his title and, and pull his weight. He says, do you know who I am? I am the governor of this state. She just calmly looked back at him and said, do you know who I am? I am the person in charge of chicken and you only get one piece. <laughs> I like that story because I think sometimes it, it, it uh, reminds me of myself and maybe you can feel that way too. Like sometimes we feel like we're in this special place and, and that we deserve uh, special privilege and that we're entitled uh, to this thing or to that thing. Um, you know, when in God's eyes, we're all equal I play that story out a little bit, and it's because my decision not to eat breakfast or lunch that day that I was starving and I wanted two pieces of chicken. But when I, when I want more for myself and when I'm thinking about myself, you know, is there an unsheltered person who won't get a piece of chicken um, because I did something like that? Jesus has, has trouble with us when we're like that. If you continue reading in chapter 23, it's, it's pretty hard reading. He's pretty hard on them. Uh, no wonder um, they were angry at him and, and, and wanted to, to find a way to get him. Like in, in the rest of this chapter, he calls them blind guides. He calls them fools. He calls them hypocrites six different times. Just this, this litany of, of, of things um, that, that Jesus felt that were getting wrong. But, but then in, in verse 23, if you keep reading from our text and you get to verse 23, he says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For you tithe mint, dill, and cumin, and have neglected the weightier matters of the law. That's what grabbed my attention. You have neglected the weightier matters of the law, justice and mercy and faithfulness. It's these you ought to have practiced without neglecting the others. You know, I think there's a lot of uh, disgust in the air these days, coming from a lot of different directions. Uh, but one of them that I think is very loud and clear is, is this feeling of disgust um, that people are silent in the face of, of racism and discrimination. You know, I, I think that's a, uh, an accusation, uh, a feeling of disgust that's been leveled at the church for, for decades. How many stories we've heard about the church being silent. When there's stuff that needs to be talked about. I don't know, this was a, this was a hard one um, for me to hear just a few weeks ago. Um, right here in our community. Uh, the the Junaluska Singers, they were, they were practicing. And you know, because of the pandemic, uh, they have to practice outdoors. And so they were practicing over at Lake Junaluska uh, under the, the open air gym. Well, the Junaluska singers, um, as you know, it's just a, a beautiful and diverse group. And so uh, while they were gathering there, um, some members of our community came uh, in their car and in their truck, and, and they got out, um, and they started waving this Confederate flag and just started dancing around uh, with this Confederate flag, making their statement. And, and so the the leadership confronted them and invited them to leave, and, and they eventually did, but they came back. And, 
and they came back with their friends in other cars and in other trucks, uh, disrupting and honking their horns and waving their Confederate flags. It's really disturbing. It's something that has to be preached about. You know, I, I find myself uh, in these days a, a little disgusted with myself. I, I preached what I felt like was a, a pretty strong sermon on racism in, in February, February the 23rd. And now, these days, you know, it, it's time to preach another one, and it's time to speak out. I mean, we can't be silent. But, but this is the disgust that I'm feeling with me. It's like, um, I don't want to just preach another sermon against racism. I, I don't just want to be a, a talking head. Like, like I want to do something. What, what can I do about racism? Uh, Steve Sample uh, wrote a book uh, on something like the contrariness of leadership. And, and in this book, he tells a story about when he was 29 years old um, and he was an associate pref- professor of uh, electrical engineering at the University of Purdue. And so he had, he had won uh, this, this special award. It was like an, an internship award uh, where he got to, to hang out with the, the president of Purdue for an entire year. And he was really excited about it, even though the, he, he had gotten tenure and, and even though he had uh, been promoted to associate professor of, of electrical engineering, uh, he was really looking forward to it because he, he saw himself uh, in the future, uh, saw a career in, in administration. And so uh, he, he's walking along the campus and, and, and one of his colleagues comes by, uh, Vern uh, Newsom, uh, and he was uh, one of the, um, you know, more prestigious, uh, long-tenured uh, colleagues in the electrical engineering department. And, um, and, and Vern said to Steve, he's like, well, I hear you've uh, won this award where you get to, to hang out with the president for a year. And, and Steve was like, yeah, this is, I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. And, and Vern was like, so, so I guess you'll be learning administrative skills. He's like, yeah, I suppose so. And, and he said, so, so I guess... Uh, uh, you'll be thinking about being a, a college president someday. And he's like, well, you know, I've, I've kind of thought about that. I suppose so. And, and, then, and then his friend says, you know, uh, I, I never had those aspirations. He's like, I, I, I don't think, uh, uh, you know, I could manage anything, uh, certainly not a, a, a university or a college. He says, but I have over the years uh, watched people who have uh, aspired to do such things. And he says, for what it's worth, Uh, This is what I've learned. He said, there are a lot of people who want to be president, but very few who want to do president. And I think what I'm feeling these days is that we don't just need to be church. We need to do church. 